you know, and it's funny because, you know, we're always trying to do things with different products, right? Like we have a long-term anti-inflammatory that we work on. We obviously have our sleep product. We do have topicals. We have all these different things. And, you know, everything has their own place, right? Like you just said. But I think it's taken us a real hard time to try to figure out what you went to and before when you were touching on it on really making specific formulas for something that is such a major issue in not just professional sports, but in the nation and with regular everyday people that these athletes are everyday people, right? Right. The same ones that just because you can't, they can't sleep either. They're going on plane. They're, you know, they're doing all this stuff. They're, they're all wound up from whatever they're on. And, uh, you know, even just pre-workouts and stuff like that. Um, but I, I just, we have been fighting this for such a long time. It's so nice to have you on the show because you're letting people listen to what we hear every single day. But when we were trying to bring it in and innovate it, I mean, it's imagine where we started seven years ago five years ago and have a custom formulation and say, look, there's something that really will help that doesn't have side effects. You don't have to take Advil. You don't have, I mean, these, you got to understand doctor, there's so many athletes that come on the show and they're like, I wish I had cannabis. I had CBD at the time because I was fed opiates. I was fed insets and I keep saying it on the show, but like they're paying the price for it now. Like they're paying a price for it big time. And they're being fed these things like PEDs and ulcerations are the least of the concerns <laughs> where most people are like, oh my God, I'm going to get an ulceration. I could possibly die and stomach and ulcers. No, no, no. They're, these are like, it's, it's so bad. It's so bad. So I'm so glad that all these athletes are really coming to you and saying, I want to try something in cannabis. I want to give this a shot. Um, yeah. And because- I think too, what I'll say on that, Nick is, you know, we acknowledge that, you know, Athletes are athletes are people too, and uh, specific again to the sleep conversation. We don't even. I mean, again, I, I don't even talk about cannabinoids until somebody asks me about cannabinoids, and oftentimes it's like, "Hey, my friend, teammate, wife, whomever um, recommended this or is trying this. What do you think?" And that's typically it's kind of a grassroots, like organic conversation. It's typically, how it starts. But when that does start, and specific to sleep, it. I don't, the first thing out of my mouth is not like, oh, well, here's 10 different cannabinoid products you should try. The first thing out of my mouth is, well, let's talk about some behavioral modifications you can make first, because we talk about breathing, we talk about meditation, we talk about yoga, and we talk about blue light glasses and not staring at your phone, and we talk about caffeine, we talk about their diet, and all those things first. And then if the conversation then turns to cannabinoids, Cool. Like I, I, I can, I can, I can partake in that conversation too, but let's address, you know, we'll take that person first and address the behavioral issues first, because maybe you don't need to take anything. I don't really care if you take a cannabinoid or not. I'd love for you to not take Ambien, but apart from that, I don't really care. So, you know, it's like the warm milk thing that your mom did. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. I don't give it to my kids, but cause it sounds gross, <laughs> but you know, like there, there are things that we can do and there's so many different apps and stuff on Netflix that can really help kind of center you um, before you're right. 
our games are at night and they're hopped up on adrenaline and, you know, and caffeine and testosterone and all these. And then, you know, and then immediately after the game, we jump on a plane and then we're changing time zones. It's wild. And so there's so many things that are disrupting their rhythm and disrupting their endocannabinoid system and disrupting their homeostasis that if we can help return them to homeostasis, you know, I talk about in some of my, when I do these talks for like more medical groups, I talk about the endocannabinoid system as the homeostasis restoration system where, you know, we're trying, yep. that's all we're trying to accomplish. So your endocannabinoid system exists, has existed for a long time. Nobody talked about it because nobody really knew about it until Mishulam started talking about it in like the 80s, right? And so as the medical delivery system is learning more about it, we're understanding better how to measure it. At one point, there was an article I read that said you had to, you know, you could measure your endogenous uh, endocannabinoid, you know, 2AG and AE, you had to measure via spinal tap. Pretty invasive. IRB is not going to approve that very often. So now the medical community is learning that there are other ways to measure your endocannabinoid system. They call it your endocannabinoid tone, right? And so there's so many factors that disrupt that. So think about all the things that disrupt your homeostasis. And, you know, people don't know, you don't want to eat a big meal right before bed. So that's easy when you're home and you're going to work at a normal time and coming home at a normal time. But if I'm, you know, in Calgary and I'm eating dinner at 11 o'clock at night and then flying to Vancouver or then flying back to Nashville or whatever, everything really gets kind of turned upside down. And so your internal clock is all screwed up and it's hard to reset that. People have a different differing abilities and, you know, in doing that, some people, it's really easy to change time zones. Some people, it's really hard and they're sleeping. Like All those things are affected. And so, you know, there's so many variables that you just control. I like to tell people, identify the things you have control over the things that you don't. And so with the things you have control over, sometimes we make a list. And so it includes, certainly it includes obviously what you're putting in your body relative to cannabinoids or other, you know, other products, but it also includes your diet and it includes how much you eat and when you eat and all those things. And so there's so, the conversation isn't, the conversation is not, what should I take to help me sleep? And I say CBN and then they go away and they sleep well forever. That, that has never happened to me. I don't think it ever will because the conversation would be more, obviously you can tell it'd be a longer conversation. There's so many things that affect it. And if CBM is part of it, great. If it's not, that's fine too. Um, but but I think it, it, it's a conversation and it's a progression as opposed to just here's the answer. Unfortunately, uh, my experience is that there isn't one answer. There's a lot of answers. And what works for you and what works for the, the person next to you is unfortunately probably not the same. So we have to really tailor it, make it specific to each person. And it's a trial and error. You know, As long as it's safe and healthy and legal, then trial and error away. As most things that, seem to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a huge point. And just because of the fact that I think that I, I don't know how to say this in the fact that I wish that all healthcare was kind of that way instead of what it has become with pharmaceuticals and things where they're just like, take two of these and call me in the morning. Right. Right. I mean that that's what I don't was think this, they want you was... to call them. They just want you to take the two and then <laughs> take the two and then take the two. And then when you're done, just come back for the refill. <laughs> right. And then take this, the thing that sucks, takes away the side effect that you got from the other thing. And, um, that's so, when you can. Call. So, and, uh, <laughs> right. um, and so the, the issue Nick is, is that, I mean, certainly what you're saying is relevant. And I think that in the sports space, again, I work with people who are very young, very healthy, you know, essentially no comorbidities in terms of like, you know, really nobody, nobody, 
on any of my teams has been hypertensive. I, we get a diabetic every once in a while. But like, apart from that, there aren't a lot of what you're describing is certainly an issue relative to mainstream America. Thankfully, in, you know, in the population of people that I deal with, that's less of a, of a challenge. Um, and I'm not necessarily anti-pharma specifically, but I always think that there's, um, we as a society are an over-medicated society. And part of that is the patient's fault. Because the patient walks into the office and says, I have a sinus infection, I want a ZPAC, and I'm not leaving without it. And if you, Dr. Nick, tell me no, I'm going to go to you, Dr. Pete, because I know that you're going to tell me yes. And I think that's a, that's a societal issue. You know, is the medical delivery system yeah, part of it? Sure, of course. But, but we as patients are too. Like, we're not without fault. So there's a lot of people that are the opposite. They don't want to take any pills. And I said, well, you've got, you've got an, an infection in your elbow or whatever. Like, this is a really big deal. We're going to have to wash this out. You're going to go separate. I mean, so there, there's obviously both sides of the coin. And so what we always like to talk about is, you know, you know, what is the pathology or what is it that we're treating? And is there an end in sight for that? If you have pain and you need to take Tylenol, Advil for a tendinopathy or a bursa issue or a muscle problem or whatever, but that's not necessarily, that's certainly not wrong. Um, but, you know, oftentimes people, you know, two Advil turns into four Advil and it goes from twice a day to three times a day to four times a day. And I'm not anti-Advil. I'm just not sure why that's really that necessary. So I have Advil in my house. Like, I mean, I mean, I would give Advil to my kids right now if they needed it, but but not in perpetuity. And I think that's societally that. Well, that's it right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, and what we've been taught or what I learned being in the medical field too. Right. Of course, Advil's fine for a headache. Every, that's, you know, something like that, but you're not taking it every day. You're not taking it like, you know, you're, you're taking it multiple times a day for weeks, months, and some people years. Right. And, and, and that's really you're what saying. you're saying, right, doctor? I mean, that, that's what I would, would think that, um, people don't realize just because it's on a shelf at your Costco in a gigantic trough of it or at CVS and so readily available does not mean it's safe. I mean, it's safe as taken as per needed, not abused or gone overboard with. I mean, I think, and, but that's there's so little, there's almost nothing that I put in my body that's without risk. Advil has risk, cannabinoids and cannabis has some level of risk, chocolate cake has risk. And I'm positive that red wine has risk. I know that it's cardioprotective and I like to tell everybody that too, <laughs> but like, but, but not that second bottle. Risk. Yeah. Like nothing is without risk. So understand cost benefit analysis, right? What is the risk? If I take uh, Advil twice a day for three or four days, cause I pull the muscle in my back lifting or whatever, it, that's a pretty low level risk. Like I'd be willing to sign up for that risk. Do I want to take 800 milligrams of Advil four times a day for 40 years? No, not really. That's not a risk that I personally am interested in signing up for. In the same way with cake or Reese's peanut butter cups and red wine. I mean, so even the things that we tout as being healthy for us, well, I think healthy should generally be in quotes, but I think the things that we think are safe and healthy, we also need to consider what long-term use of anything, you know, and more importantly, is it, is it part of the conversation of, is it safe? Is also, do I still need this? Like maybe it's safe to continue to take this, but like, is it really accomplishing anything? Because if you don't need Very it, true. knee braces, as an example, I worry in the sports medicine community, knee braces, right? So you have an ACL tear or meniscus or whatever, you put on a knee brace. Do you need braces have a purpose? 
my personal belief is that you don't need to wear knee brace for the rest of your career. That's my personal opinion. And I can explain to you why. Um, but some people, well, I tore my ACL when I was a junior in high school and I'm going to wear this for the, rest of my, for the rest of my life. Well, is that unsafe? No, it's not unsafe. Is it unhealthy? No, it's not unhealthy. But do you need it? I would argue that you don't. So it had a function for a period of time, the same way Advil, Tylenol does if you have a fever or whatever else. So I think people um, you know, need to find the things that are working best for them given the situation that they're in. They're not having trouble sleeping anymore. Maybe, maybe CBN is really powerful for you in situations where you know, sleep is an issue and then maybe your job changes or whatever. Maybe it's not anymore. Okay. But I mean, there's infl- maybe there's inflammatory pathologies and, you know, CBG, CBC, like maybe some of those are probably cool. Like, there's, you know, there's an app for that, right? Like there's something that can help you with all these different things. And just like in the, in, in the inflammation paradigm, we'll talk about the things, the non-pharmaceutical, non you know, non-ingestible um, ways that we can address inflammation too. And if CBC is and CBG is a part of that for a period of time, okay, great. But, you know, probably doesn't have to be forever. But I think it's important that people understand what, you know, what the risk is, albeit understanding that the risk for some things is very, very low. Um, and then also what, what itch is it scratching and how long do you need it? Um, because you don't, you know, I think we just get into this habit of like, you know, like the, the little pill thing that, you know, well, on Monday, I take this. On Tuesday, I take this. Well, if you need that, I'm on board completely. But if you don't, then that seems wasteful and kind of expensive, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. no, well, one of the things I always thought with braces being in sports and stuff like that is it doesn't let your muscles. And, and again, I could be totally wrong on this. I, this is my own personal. But I just felt like if I was strong enough not to have my brace, I liked not having the brace on, you know, if I tweaked my knee or something sure. like that or and uh, I would take it off because I felt like my knee would be stronger not having the brace as a crutch. Well, yeah, you don't want to get used to rely on I, I, it. You, you, you know, and I felt progress. like I, I, maybe that was my mental. I don't know. But I was just uh, like, I mental. really don't want to be wearing it. I mean, it's it's a pain. <laughs> but no, it's um, of course it helps. But But when you felt like your knee was strong enough, like take it off. Right. You'd have more mobility. You'd have this. And if you don't really need it. Um, so I, again, I don't know if that was, you know, but I think if people do that with a lot of things, you know, they, they try to do that with allergy medication, sure. like give yourself small doses of something and get your body used to it. Yeah. So then your own body can fight an allergy instead of always relying on Benadryl or Claritin, sure. Claritin or whatever. No, it's funny um, you said because allergy medication is a perfect example because it's, you know, depending on where you live, obviously, it's typically seasonal, call them seasonal allergies for a reason. And so like, yeah. And, you know, where I live in Tennessee, it was really bad towards the beginning of the spring. It kind of took a dive for a while. It wasn't really bad in the summer when it's a million degrees outside. Now, I mean, it's not really cooling off necessarily, but, you know, towards the end of the summer, beginning of the fall, they got the allergens and everything is changing a little bit. And so, you know, I'm, I'm more congested and stuffy now than I was a week ago. And no, I feel it too. Yeah. yeah. So, but do, but I personally chose not to take an allergy medication for like the last two or three months because I didn't need it. Now I do, and I'll probably need it for the next two or three weeks, and 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 I'll take it, and and that'll stop because I don't really need it anymore. So I mean, there's always an exit strategy in my mind. You no, know, and I think that that's yeah. You know, it's when we're going through allergies, but it's so funny. I I I was like an anti-allergy. Right now, I feel like it helps. I just take it a little bit, like when it's really bad, yeah. and then I don't sniffles. take it. 
Yeah. And I feel like, yeah. And I, and, but I do feel like it really does help me, but it just gets my body reset to be ready to fight again. Right. Like it gives me that, like that little bit of help. And then, you know, when my body's kind of reeling, it has inflammation. So, but let's talk about real quick, we'll go back to CBC and CBG. Yep. Cause that's not a bunch talked about kind of boy. And I know you love the minor cannabinoids, yep. the benefits of those two. What do you see? Where do you see the, where they fit into the everyday, the, the, the athlete, the, just where do you see the benefits of so those? I'm not really sure yet. Um, I know that because most of my interest is focusing on CBN, that's probably where I do more of my okay. spend more of my time. However, I will say that you know CBG often referred to as the mother cannabinoid. Um, I joke with it's it might even be you know higher than the mother. Maybe it's the grandmother cannabinoid, right? So <laughs> um, you know if you um, if you read the- and why do you say that? Why do they call that that? Because of the way that it's found, especially as the plant ages over time. And so if you, if we go into chemistry class and you'll see that the cannabinoids, you know, and the acidic cannabinoids will turn into cannabinoids and then as over time they denature. And so, and they kind of, there should, if I have a slide that I can find somewhere, but it kind of shows like the progression over time. And so CBG, you know, is found very prevalently in the plant and is considered to have for many people a really potent anti-inflammatory effect. Some people report also it gives you a little bit, you know, less the psychedelic effect. People will report that it helps with, you know, oftentimes people um, who have, you know, anxiety will report a, a, a I hate to use a cannabis, but a blunting of the anxiety, right? So (laughs) again, yeah. So, uh, you know, different for every person, but that's, you know, that's what I'm reading about when, um, you know, when people talk about that and, you know, and they're becoming more available in the cannabinoid space. And so if you, for a period of time, the only thing that wasn't cannabis that was available was CBD, right? And everybody took CBD. And people walked around talking about how CBD cures everything, which of course it doesn't because nothing cures everything. And so, you know, now we're learning about, again, going back to the 120, 140, whatever, you know, minor cannabis have been identified, you know, CBC, CBG, in my mind, are really kind of the next, not the next frontier. I think it's the next group of cannabinoids that will start to have some more kind of societal awareness and people will learn again. Um how each one affects each person. And so because it is so different, um, you know, I oftentimes come back to many people say that CBC does this. And so is it, does CBC directly replace Advil? Does CBC replace Adderall? No, CBC doesn't replace any of those things. CBC has a different effect for each person. Oftentimes it does have a little bit of a calming effect. And oftentimes it does have a very potent anti-inflammatory effect. But each person is going to be different. And you'll just need to kind of work through that on your own to decide how or to identify how it affects you. Well, you know, and, and in one of our products that we have in Pure Relief, we specifically isolated like CBN for pure sleep. Yep. But we use CBG specifically for pure relief. Yep. Because it is a very strong anti-inflammatory. I don't know. You had a chance to try that one as well. Um, but uh, but that is why I went after specifically that cannabinoid. Yeah. And 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 I'm, look, I'm not trying to. It's just that we're we're kind, we're ahead of the curve, and, and and we've been doing this for a while, and we've been doing a lot of research on these cannabinoids. Like for example, we launched Pure Relief almost a year and a half ago. 
Uh, and we started working on it three years ago. Oh. That's how long it's yeah. taken to, um, to, to really bring it to market. But we just knew the benefits and, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to address certain conditions with cannabinoids because there are benefits not just CBD, right? And all these different minor cannabinoids. And I love that you're studying this and I love that you're doing all the work that you're, you're doing at FIU with the CBN. And, and, you know, the other thing I was, you know, I was talking about is last year, the National Athletic Trainers Association started up a cannabinoid task force to help athletic trainers address the demand for information related to cannabis and cannabinoids. And you're an active member. Yep. So I was just saying, you know, I, I'd love to know the response and the progress that the NATA has made because it's a, it's, a, it's an amazing, I, again, what we were talking about in the beginning, how doctors just don't have enough knowledge and trainers. Yeah. And so yeah. what, what are you, so how this are was, you progressing uh, and how's that working? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. And I didn't even ask you to bring that up, but thank you for bringing that up because this was wild. And this was, I can take, you know, I was involved in, I can take no credit for getting it started. It had nothing to do with me. Um, Dr. Jeff Conant at FIU, who's recently a member of the National Athletic Trainers Association Hall of Fame. Um, Which we love. We want to try to get him on. Yeah. So <laughs> he spearheaded this. And this was, you know, this was really his, you know, his brainchild. And so he, he proposed it to the National Athletic Trainers Association, who hopped on board right away and said, you know, Dr. Conant, take this and run with it. And like, let's make this work for our membership. And kudos to the NETA and kudos to, to the membership for, for really digesting it and really hopping on board. Kudos to the association for taking the stand to say this isn't this is important for our membership because you know a lot of we weren't just talking about cannabis, we were talking about cannabinoids as well. And so because there's, you know, our membership is, I don't know, there's like 45 or 50,000 athletic trainers in the United States, and certainly there's some external to the United States as well. But, you know, our membership, my colleagues in the NATA work at high schools and junior high schools and, you know, sports medicine clinics and doctor's offices and insurance companies and in ergonomic settings and for pharma and for, um, you know, all sorts of different kind of medical delivery paradigms. And like I was explaining to you, like I was getting asked questions, we, they are getting asked the same questions. And, you know, and many people felt similarly to how we've kind of shared, very overwhelmed and, and underinformed and uninformed. So we took the opportunity um, with Dr. Conan's guidance. Um, you know, we put together some really awesome resources for athletic trainers that they can use to help drive those conversations and just answer those questions. And so the, you know, we're not, we're not trying to, it's not an advocacy group. Nobody's advocating for the use of anything. We're advocating for the information and the education. And so the same way high school, you know, high school football players or high school volleyball, whatever, will ask the athletic trainer or even their coach about, you know, my brother, my mom, whatever. I saw this on TV. What should I do? Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg say this and Gronk says this and Megan Rapino says this. Like, understand what we want. You know, these athletes and these, and these celebrities have platforms. And so, you know, at some level, you know, so people want to follow them. And that's okay sometimes. Um, and so – our task force was really exciting because we did a lot of really good work and there was I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 people on it and it was awesome. And so we provided some resources for athletes to answer a lot of the questions that, you know, that we've just talked about, you know, today relative to what is the endocannabinoid system and how does it work? Uh, international law, how do, you know, traveling, TSA, uh, dosage, methods of administration, FAQs, COAs. I mean, it's not basic 
meaning like, oh, this is really simple. You should already know this. It's basic meaning this is like the foundation of your knowledge about this space. And so whatever state you live in or municipality that you live in, and whatever governs you, you know, everybody talks about, you know, FedEx and UPS and, you know, zero tolerance and those things. And maybe an isolate product is the best for you. If those situations, if that's not you, then a broad spectrum product is probably better. A full spectrum product is probably even better than that. But what does that even mean, right? Like what's the difference between those three things? which is really, really critical information that certainly is readily available on Google and everywhere else, but most people just don't know that. And so we, there you we, go. we put together all these documents to help our membership. And what was crazy was we were invited to present at you know, the NATA has an annual clinical symposium and meeting, which this year was in Philly. And so we were invited to present the findings of our task force uh, myself, Jeff Conan, and Tiffany Morton from the Kansas City Chiefs were kind of appointed by the group to provide this presentation. And we went on, we had like this really inopportune time slot. It was the last day of the conference at like 11 a.m. when everybody's supposed to be checking out of their hotel. And if they show up at the conference at all on the last day, they're usually like pushing their suitcase around and just trying to get their last freeze. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Disheveled from the night before. Exactly. So, <laughs> and we... Like we packed this room. There's probably, I don't know, 150 seats in this room. There was a button in every seat. There were people, it's funny, I have some pictures. People took pictures and texted them to me after. There were people like three, four, five deep in the hallway. They couldn't even get into the room. There were people sitting awesome. on the floor. At one point, Jeff Conan was talking at the podium. He had people completely behind him sitting on the corner in the floor. And so it was so cool because- That's backstage pass level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. Everyone was saying like we are thirsty for this information because we don't know how to answer these questions and what was even more exciting was that there was there was a quite a few faculty members who said you know i teach athletic training education i'm training the athletic trainers of tomorrow i teach you know um human anatomy and physiology i teach like injury physiology um pathophys etc etc how do I teach this? I'm not sure where to put this in my curriculum. You know, where should I put this? How should I, you know, how should I tie it into therapeutic exercise and, you know, acute injury assessment and all of these things. And we're like, holy, this is so cool to even have this conversation. And, and we've already been invited back to the same meeting next year. And there's, you know, thousands and thousands of people that come and meet, which is super cool because again, we just want to kind of shed some light on the topic because, you know, hemp is legal everywhere in the United States. And so, you know, you know, cannabis, again, is a separate conversation. And so everybody's interest is going to be different because of their personal interest and experience, as well as because of the state that they live in and kind of what the laws are governing that. But that, does, that statement does not pertain to hemp. Hemp is cool for everybody. And so that's why it's important to us to provide just access. And so if you want to come and talk, great. And if you want to access our documents, great. You know, they're password protected behind the NETA membership wall. But for the 50,000 athletic trainers, you know, in the United States and abroad, they have access to these documents readily, which was really, really cool to be able to be a part of that. And and still going, right? So we're, they're, they're adding stuff every single day. Um, again, how far we've come. <laughs> I mean, yet not we're talking enough. about... Not, not, but yet, but right, but yet there's so much more that we listen, that, that we hear and we're listening to that's out there, more that we're finding out. It's just, it's insane the amount of knowledge that this one plant is providing 
that every different demographic, every walk of life, again, we say it on every show, here we have an athletic trainer who talks to the top level athletes and helps the top level athletes in the world and is having the same conversations that the average person is having because they're looking for either the same relief, you know, maybe they do different things, but they're, but they're looking for alternatives. They're looking for a a, a healthy and safe and legal option. And and that's honestly looking for education as well. That's why I got into hemp, right? So I got into hemp in the beginning because I really didn't want to deal I don't want to say deal, but I just saw so many more medical benefits on this side than I did on just straight cannabis of THC that, um, and then of course the legality issues. And, um, that's why I decided to go into this space. You you know, you talked about Epidiolex. I actually worked on it on Epidiolex years ago. So, um, so it was just kind of like being from a medical background. This is a passion to me passion of me uh, for me to, to do yeah. this but you know it's funny just you saying broad spectrum you know isolate we talk and we rattle these things off and most of the population don't even understand what we're saying so the fact that you are helping with this education that people are starving to i mean think about how the re- beginning of this conversation started you're talking about doctors that go uh there's not enough there's not enough information right <laughs> i'm not interested <laughs> it, there's nothing there. Now you're talking about a task force that's been put together that people are lining up rooms in, that to, to thirsty for this knowledge, but it, because it does exist, it's just, do you want to learn what's in your food? Do you want to learn what's good for you? Do you want to, do you want to learn how to be a better person? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta learn. You gotta try to better yourself. You can't just, it's not just going to come to you. I mean, People wish I'm waiting for that $10 million check from Ed McMahon. Yeah, you and me both. It, 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 I don't know where, but somehow, somehow I actually have to get up in the morning and make it. So why would it be any different in this situation? And especially with so many doctors that, look, we know that what they're taught. We know why they're taught, uh, you know, in traditional medicine and stuff. They've been being taught the same stuff for, you know, uh, forever. This is new. Now the newer doctors that we know, and it's not just DOs or MDs or, or, you know, they're, they're always open to it. It's really where we have the trouble is talking to more of the older doctors and stuck in their way. And, and, you know, it's funny because you talk about low and slow. We do talk a lot to rheumatologists as well and things like that. And, and, you know, doctors like that. And, and they are, um, they had a problem with the opiates because they weren't educated enough. And when they were starting to give out these opiates to their patients, they were maybe not misdosing. Okay. Right. And that led to some of the opiate crisis was doctors giving the wrong uh, dosage and things like that. Whereas now it looks like, you know, there's two schools of thought here. Or handing right? it there's out always like it's low and slow. And then there's, do what we're told to do and what we say that is right and what the pharmaceutical companies and the reps tell us to do. Um, and there's two different agendas there. Right. But, um, but use these things because you need them, not don't use them as a crutch. Nobody's telling you to use cannabis. It's going to improve your life because, you know, I know that everybody gets liquid courage when they drink alcohol and it makes them, you know, look, if it makes your day better and you just want to, you know, 
you're smoking marijuana, you're taking edibles and that's what you want and that's what you're into. Great. Because your mental health is important too, right? But if you really have problems and you do have, you know, sleeping issues or anxiety or you have inflammation or get educated people, understand what cannabinoids are what, why, what quality of, of product it is, why what's going to work for me is not going to work for my spouse right. or my mother or my brother. And it doesn't matter how big or tall or fat or skinny or it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Cannabis brings everybody together and it's also you need to find out what works for you. And, and that, you know, just relative to the point about the physicians, and, and I'm very critical at, at times of of this of this approach to the like throwing our hands up in the end, there's no information. The American Medical Association has acknowledged that that you know cannabis and cannabinoids are here and a part of the medical delivery system. And obviously, again, with the disclaimer being that every state is different, you know. The gentleman, the chair of the American Medical Association's task force, flew in from, he was on vacation in Hawaii, he lives in Pennsylvania, but he was on vacation in Hawaii and left his vacation in Hawaii to fly to Orlando a few weeks ago to meet with us as part of, as, as part of this, you know, discussion of cannabis and sports. And so, you know, kudos to him personally as the chair of this task force. And, you know, they're... Obviously, there's there's a lot of providers and everybody's knowledge in the space is very different. Um, and it can be a very polarized, a very personal issue for a lot of people. However, the American Medical Association is not pretending that this doesn't exist. And so I, I do want to say, as much as I do get frustrated at times, the American Medical Association is acknowledging this is a thing. It's here to stay. This is really, really helping a lot of people. And so we, the AMA, you know, we need to understand it better. So the NATA has done that. And continues to do that. And obviously, as this landscape changes, you know, Jeff Conan and myself and Tiffany Morton and the rest of the folks on the task force will continue to update documents as they, you know, warrant uh, updating. The AMA is doing that, too. And so I want to be really respectful of that because they are doing real work. And so some people are saying it's easier for me to say that there's no research and they never have to answer the question. They're not all saying. And so a lot of providers, a lot of physicians, OTs, NPs, PAs, everybody else, a lot of them are saying, this is a thing, we want to learn more about it. And so, you know, they're asking for the high level research studies that, that we all want. And it's, you know, it is challenging, especially domestically. It's, it's hard to get those things, even, even the non even the non-cannabis studies, like we're doing cannabinoid research at FIU, and it's not easy to get that through IRB. And you can't frustrate by that all you want. It certainly has frustrated me as well, but it doesn't matter. Like th there is a process and the process is there to protect human subjects. And so whether I think that this is a risk or not, doesn't really matter that much because I have to convince, you know, the IRB at FIU or Western IRB or whoever else you're using as kind of your vetting agency, it needs to be safe for people. And, you know, the people usually doing the research are obviously convinced that they're doing something safe. No one wants to hurt anybody. But you have to convince other people too. And so the AMA is just saying, hey, there's not enough of the highest level research that we, the AMA, would like. And I agree. They're right there. They're wrong in saying there's no research. So the people that are saying that are wrong. But the people that are saying, hey, we really like better content, I'm on board. And I agree with them. And I thank the AMA for acknowledging that the NETA has said this. That's great. You know, the APTA has done something as well. But like for the AMA, you know, the, a leading group in the medical delivery system in the it's called the American Medical Association, right? So it's a really, really right. big deal. 
for them to allocate either funds or people power, personnel, bandwidth, like that's a really big deal. And so I, I want to make sure that in whatever, you know, as public of a forum as this is, like I really want to make sure that, you know, that I get that out, that, that the AMA is doing something about it and that they that they're on board with this being part of our society and trying to understand what's safe and healthy for the, you know, for the population. But a lot of the a lot of the population is more complicated than and like I mentioned before. The people that I deal with are, you know, it's a very small niche market, right? And so for the rheumatologists, for the people, you know, for the people working with like the, the aging population who have all these other medications on board, I have no idea how to do. I have no idea how to be part of that conversation. I know nothing about how this interacts with, you know, your statins and your Lipitor and what, anything else that you, I, I don't know that Coumadin, like all those other things, I have no idea. And so the pharmacology people need to be a part of this conversation and, you know, and the medical provider people need to be part of this conversation at some level pharma does too. Right. So it, it, it takes a village and, oh, yeah. and, and for me, I'm interested in, you know, what I'm seeking is the information, uh, again, not coming from the side of, you know, any manufacturer or anything like that. I want people um, to understand, you know, what's out there and just how they can educate themselves about it. And then, you know, kind of whatever happens next, as long as it's done safely and legally is, you know, is for them to choose. Yeah. So where, where do you suggest that, you know, I guess, tell us where they should go if they do want some other information Anywhere that you suggest that uh, they should start looking for getting their own information. I, so you know, I think to them. really to kind of reiterate what I said before, the trouble is that there, the trouble is that there is really good information, and a lot of it is provided by manufacturers, and that's a tough hurdle to get over because I have manufacturers that I really trust, and I know they want the best for their clients. You as a manufacturer, you don't want to produce. You don't want to produce a product that's going to make somebody sick. Because they're going to go online and tell everybody about it. You don't want to produce a product that's going to make somebody that you said has no THC in it, then they fail a drug test because they're going to go online and tell everybody about it. You don't want to hurt anybody. And you also don't want to produce a product that you're making specific claims about or recommendations about, and then it doesn't do those things. And then people go online and say, pure well sucks, and it didn't do the things that it said. So you're incentivized for all the right reasons to take care of the population. That said, as a consumer, I might not want to go listen to Purewell tell me how great Purewell is, right? But I, I don't know how to fix that because a lot of the people with oftentimes the best knowledge, the most up-to-date knowledge are the manufacturers themselves. So I'm not answering your question at all because that's really my answer. I will say that on the medical side, there is there are certainly relative to cannabis physicians, there's a whole consortium of cannabis physicians that can help educate other physicians and patients. I'm sure that's online again in you know that's not something that I have a lot of knowledge about. Um, I always start I always tell people start with somebody that you trust. This is a personal issue and for those of us who grew up in like the Nancy Reagan war on drugs, like this is a very personal thing and so as you know because that's what the message was at the time, it, it's going to take society, society some time to undo that if it can be undone. And so the information that you're going to really latch on to and really kind of chew on and digest the best is going to come from somebody that you trust. And so my question would be to my physician, athletic trainer, physical therapist, whomever, you know, I have this pathology. This is what I'm thinking about taking. What do you think? And if hopefully that person, and if you trust that person, hopefully if their answer is, I don't really know, then my follow-up question as a patient would be, can you help me find someone who does? 
but now I've put it back into the hands of the physician who has just said, I don't really know that much about it. And that's okay. And I, and I love that answer. That's okay. If you don't know that much about it, that's okay. Don't make it up, you know, just say you don't know. That's no problem. So that said, I think the follow-up for the patient can be and should be, can you help me find someone who does? And if the physician, athletic trainer, physical therapist, OT, whomever wants to help you, then I'd like to think that they do a little due diligence to say, oh, shoot, like, I don't actually have an answer to that question. I don't really know who knows. There are resources available. And again, I'm not, you know, married to any of them specifically, um, but, you know, everybody's location and kind of what's available to them is, is so different that it can be challenging. But again, you know, with, you know, None of us are in the same place. Well, I don't know, you guys might be, but like, you know, we're obviously not in it together and we do, you know, thanks to Zoom and FaceTime and everything else, you can talk to somebody on the moon as long as you have Wi-Fi. So I think there are resources available and it just takes a little bit of work to find out where they are, but it's definitely out there. Oh yeah. And the work that we are providing here, and it's great to have someone like a, you know, a doctor who are coming from another angle. So it's not just the voice of the people or not just the voice of a player, but now you're getting it from another side as well. So if we all keep on pushing forward and kind of repeating this narrative over and over again, the recognition is going to grow and we're going to see more, you know, movement on this plant that, you know, we've been you know, screaming about for a long time. So, you know, I have to say it, it's been a pleasure with you uh, for sure there, doctor. And um, it's been excellent, just the information we've gotten from you and, and knowing that, again, you guys are on the side of right, because, you know, it's better to have a doctor, like you said, that doesn't know than having a doctor that is not willing to know. Right. So, you know, that's kind of where you want to go. So, like you said, we got to just keep going, getting everybody educated and finding the right sources. So, you know, um, look at the sources that you can. You can uh, check us out or follow us uh, more you can on Cannabis Radio, iHeart, uh, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon. For everything else, uh, Empire, you know where to find us, pureworld.com. You guys have a wonderful day, and we do appreciate your time again today. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.